Today we're concluding our message series, Touching God, and in this series we've been talking about some aspects of prayer, uh, some aspects of prayer that we, we tend to forget about or not give enough attention to. And so to begin with this morning, I want us to think a bit more deeply about the primary motive or primary purpose of prayer. Is prayer simply to help us make it in our lives? Is its primary purpose to reduce our pain and to increase our happiness? And I believe the answer to those questions is, is no. It's, it's not all about us. That's, that's part of what prayer is. But the primary purpose of prayer is not simply about ourselves. It's not simply about our needs. As we come back to the Lord's Prayer, which is the model prayer that Jesus taught, it, it helps us to understand what the priorities of our prayer life should be. It begins in verse 9, where Jesus says, and I'd encourage you to take out the white page in the middle of your bulletin. It has the verses and the outline there for you to follow along. Jesus said, pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so the prayer begins not with us. It doesn't begin with our needs. It begins with focusing on God. We are praying that his name would be honored in our lives and in our world. And then we are to pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, sometimes we think that refers to the distant future or maybe not so distant future when Jesus returns. And certainly it does, but it refers also to what is happening here and now. We are to pray that God's kingdom would come now in our world, that God's will would be done now in our world. And, and how does that happen? Well, God's kingdom comes, his will is done through people, through people like you and me and through the people that we know. As people do God's will, God changes people's lives. And as people become believers in Jesus Christ, God changes their hearts. So they desire to do his will. And as they do his will, his kingdom comes increasingly. And as people grow and mature as believers, they become more and more like Jesus. And they do God's will increasingly and in greater dimension. Now, Jesus gave us some instructions in Matthew 28, one of the key verses in the New Testament. He said, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And so this is God's will for us. This is Jesus' command for us. And as we do this will, God's kingdom comes. As we look at this scripture, we see that there are basically two phases in what we are to do. And what we are to pray. The first phase is to make disciples. We are to reach out. To seek to bring other people to Jesus. So that other people would be saved. The second phase is that we are to teach the new disciples. To obey all of Jesus' commands. And what does that include? It includes Jesus' command to make more disciples. And so what are we to pray for? We are to pray that God's will would be done. And so today we're going to. Talk about praying for others. Praying for others. Now, there's many things that we can pray about. Of course, the Lord's Prayer goes on. We pray for our daily bread. We pray that our needs would be met and different things. But we're going to concentrate today on praying for others. 
And as we think about other people in our world today, there are two and only two kinds of people spiritually in our world. Most of the people in our world are unbelievers. Jesus taught us that the road uh, most people are on is a wide road uh, that is headed for destruction. Most people in our world today are not saved. The other kind of people are believers in Jesus, people who are saved, people who have uh, accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And so our message today on praying for others, we're going to look at how to pray for both kinds of people, unbelievers and believers. And our prayers are going to be that God's will would be done, that his kingdom would come in the lives of both kinds of people. So let's get started. How should we pray for unbelievers? 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14 says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them, because they are spiritually discerned. And so this verse tells us a little bit about unbelievers, people who do not yet know Jesus Christ. A natural person here in this verse is an unbeliever. And the, the things of the Spirit, the things of God, seem like foolishness to such a person. They, they just don't make sense. And the reason is that in order for us to understand spiritual things, we must, be, we must have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. We must be born again. But as we'll see, prayer can open a door for an unbeliever to begin to understand what it means to believe in Jesus. And so this verse makes it clear to us that we can't argue, we can't reason somebody into becoming a believer without the Holy Spirit working in their lives. And how does the Holy Spirit work in somebody's life? It's through our prayers, the Holy Spirit is released to work into an unbeliever's life. So let's just step back a bit from talking about praying for individual unbelievers and and talk about how we can influence the climate or the, the atmosphere in our city, in our state, and in our country. As we pray for unbelievers, we are to pray for the leaders that are around us. The leaders that are over the places that we live. 1 Timothy 2 says, First of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings, and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. And so we are to pray for our government leaders. Our government leaders are a mixture of unbelievers and believers. Uh, undoubtedly, probably a majority are unbelievers. And so we are to pray for our government leaders, whether we agree with their policies or, or not. And how are we to pray for them? Well, this verse tells us what we are to pray. We are to pray that they would lead our country, our state, our city in such a way that believers could lead peaceful, quiet lives, godly and dignified in every way. In other words, we are to pray that our government leaders would govern us in such a way that the church and believers could carry out the will of God, that we could worship freely, that we could Reach other people for Jesus Christ, unimpeded by government interference or by persecution. And when we pray in such a way for our leaders, God answers those prayers and the atmosphere of our country, the atmosphere of our state, of our city, will become more conducive to people being saved. Because we need to believe that God's will is to save people in our world. God's will is for salvation. The very next verse in 1 Timothy chapter 2, 
after it tells us to pray for our leaders, says this is good, praying for our leaders. It is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. Praying for our leaders is, is pleasing to God. Why? God desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And so we clearly see here that God desires everyone to be saved. And as we pray for our leaders, that's part of what we can do to carry out God's will and command. Now, when a person is saved, they come to understand the truth. They come to understand the truth of God, the truth of God's word. And they go from believing falsehoods to believing the truth. Now, this verse says that God desires all people to be saved. Now, some people have misconstrued this verse and said that means everyone is going to be saved. But that's clearly not the case as we look at all of Scripture. Even though God desires everyone to be saved, each person has a will. And some will choose to believe and some will choose not to believe. And so our part is to believe that God desires to save those that, that he's placed in our lives, that he's placed in our spheres of influence because those are the people that we can pray for. And as we pray for them, God's spirit moves in their lives. He draws them to himself. So how do we pray for the people that we know that are not yet saved? We pray for their eyes to be open. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says, In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And so the God of this world is, is Satan. And Satan has the power to blind the spiritual eyes of people or, or the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the truth of the gospel. It, it just seems dim to them. It doesn't make sense. It seems as foolishness. They just, they just can't see it. And so we must pray that the spiritual eyes of people would be open so that they can see the light of the gospel, so that they can see the truth. Now, in this message, we're focusing on prayer. But prayer must be coupled with our words. And as the blinders on the spiritual eyes of people are lifted, then our words that speak the truth of the gospel, that speak the truth about God, about Jesus, then can penetrate and they can understand and believe. We can invite them to church and they'll respond. And they will hear the truth and their lives will be changed. And so we pray for the eyes of people to be open. We pray for God to grant repentance. Verse 25 is a prayer. And it says that God may perhaps grant them, unbelievers, repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. And so here's another image of the state of an unbeliever. Uh, we talked about it's as if their eyes are blinded, they can't see the truth. And here, the image is them, of them being captured by the devil, being captured in a trap of the devil, living their lives unknowingly for him rather than for God. And so in the devil's snare, they don't understand the truth. They live in sin. They live in guilt. For them to repent means they'll have to humble themselves and to confess to God that they've sinned. 
To repent is to confess your sin to God and to choose to turn away from that sin and follow God. And that repentance requires the conviction of the Holy Spirit and a humility to admit wrong as they turn to follow God. And so we must pray to God that he would grant people this repentance to turn from their sin. Prayers are powerful, and if we truly understand the power of prayer, and as we put it into practice, people's lives can be changed or will be changed for eternity. I'd like us to watch a short video about a, a woman whose mother, well, a woman who <clears throat> was far from God, and her mother prayed for her for years until she finally surrendered her life to Jesus Christ. It's called Power of Prayer. The prayer makes it makes a difference. So who has God placed in your life to pray for that they might be saved? It could be a relative, could be a co-worker, could be a friend, could be a neighbor. Maybe there's a number of people, and this is probably true of most of us, where you have people in your life and you don't really know where they're at with God. You don't want to know whether they're saved or not. And so the first step is not to assume they must be, if you don't know, to to begin to pray and talk to them to find out what do they believe. Are they truly saved or not? Just because somebody says they believe in God doesn't mean they're saved. Just because somebody goes to church doesn't mean they're saved. What matters is whether they have repented and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And the fruit of a saved person's life is that they're going to live like Jesus did. Uh, they're going to have good fruit in their life. They're going to be part of a Bible-believing church family. And so I encourage you to make a list of people you know in your sphere of influence, those that you know who you know aren't saved and those you're not sure about, and begin to pray for them on a regular basis and seek God's direction how to be a witness to them. And one easy way, of course, to share the gospel is to invite people to church where they're going to hear the gospel in one form or another every Sunday. And so God wants us to pray for unbelievers. It's part of our purpose. It's part of our mission in life. For each one of us, each one of us knows people that God wants to influence through our prayers to come to himself. So not only should we pray for unbelievers, we also should pray for believers. Ephesians 6.18 instructs us to pray at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication to that end, be alert, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Now, in the Bible, all believers are saints, okay? You're not elected, you're not voted. You're, if you're a believer here this morning, you are a saint. And so, in this verse, we're instructed to pray for other believers in the church, in our church family. Why? Uh, because we all need prayer, don't we? We need prayer to stay on course with God. We need prayer to fulfill our purpose that God has for us. And what are we to pray for other believers? Well, we could spend many messages talking about the answer to that question, uh, but today we're going to look at four ways to pray for other believers. First of all, we pray for they, that they would have strength through the Spirit's power. We're looking at some prayers that the Apostle Paul prayed for people that he was working with. Uh, Ephesians 3.16 says that according to the riches of his glory, 
he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. And so we are to pray for other believers that they would be strengthened with the power of the Holy Spirit. So what's the opposite of being strong? Being weak, right? And when we're weak, we're not able to fulfill God's purpose for our life. When we're weak, we're going to be more susceptible to temptation. When we're weak, we're going to be susceptible to the enemy's attack. And so we pray that other believers would be strengthened uh, by the Holy Spirit in their walk with God. The Bible clearly teaches us that we, we reap what we sow. And so when we're praying for others to be strong, God will work it out so that others will be praying for us. And we'll, the net result will be the entire church family will be strengthened. And when you're part of a spiritually strong church, you're going to be blessed. A strong church is not measured in the number of people attending, but in the spiritual strength of the church. You can have a large, weak church, and you can have a smaller, strong church. And so we want to be a strong church as we continue to reach more people for Jesus. And so pray for others that you know that they would, be, that they would grow in strength through the Holy Spirit. Pray for protection from temptation. Back to the Lord's Prayer in verse 13. says, and lead, we are to pray this, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, oftentimes when we think about the Lord's Prayer, we even pray the Lord's Prayer. It's, it's simply a model prayer. It's okay to pray it exactly, but it's more of a model that we use to, uh, one of the models that we can use to instruct our prayers. Often when we pray the Lord's Prayer or use it as a model, we forget. It's not just about us, and we pray, God, lead me not into temptation, uh, but deliver me from evil. But it's actually us, isn't it? It's a plural. We're, we're to be praying not only for ourselves, but for other people as well. That refers, the us refers to other believers that are part of our church family. And so we're to pray for one another that we don't fall into temptation. We're all susceptible to falling into temptation. We're to pray for one another that we're protected from the enemy's attacks. Now the Bible likens the the church to a body. And so when one part of your body is wounded, either through temptation or being attacked by the devil, the whole body or, or church suffers. Oftentimes in Western society, we, we're very individualistic. It's all about us. You know, it's like, is it going to help me? But when we're part of the body of Christ, as the body is strong, as the body is protected, then we are protected as well. And so when we protect one another through prayer, the, we're protecting the entire church and we're protecting ourselves. And so these first two ways that we talk about praying for other believers are, are kind of a type of defensive prayer. We're praying for strength, that we'd be strengthened, and we're praying for protection uh, from the enemy. Uh, next, we want to pray for one another to fulfill God's purpose and we're going to divide this into two basic ways. The first purpose is to that people would serve in the ministry of the church towards other believers. And so we would pray for, for growth in ministry. Ephesians 4.12 says the purpose of church leaders is to equip the saints. Here we hear the word saints again. For the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And so the purpose of church leaders is not to do all the ministry of the church. It's to equip the 
each and every person in the church family to, to do the work of the ministry. And what, what is ministry? That's kind of a, a churchy sounding word. It's simply serving one another. Serving one another in the church family so that the church can effectively carry out its mission. And that work of ministry builds up the body of Christ. There's that image, uh, which is the local church. And so as each believer in the church family does their part, the entire church grows spiritually and more effectively carries out its, its mission. So again, what is ministry? It's everything that, that is needed for the church to function. So ministry is things like working in the children's ministry. It's, it's ushering. It's giving. It's regularly attending. It's being part of a small group. It's, it's helping clean the church. It's being part of the prayer team. It's serving on the worship team, serving on the security team, serving in outreach events. And we could go, go on and on. Uh, each regular attender and member should be involved in, in, in ministry. And as you serve others, your needs are going to be met as well. And so, as believers, not only must we serve one another in ministry and, and we pray for others to be effective in the ministries that God has called them to, our second purpose is to pray for boldness to witness. So ministry is what we do within the church body, how we serve one another. And the second purpose is to pray for boldness and witness. How do we reach out to those outside of our church family? Paul asked other people to pray for him in Ephesians 6.19. He said, basically, pray also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. And so Paul was asking for prayer for himself, that he would be bold to be a witness for Jesus. Now, if Paul, who was undoubtedly the greatest apostle that ever lived, if he needed prayer to be bold in his witness, then how much more do we need prayer? And so we need to pray for other believers in the church to have boldness to be courageous witnesses, to be able to speak to their friends, relatives, co-workers about Jesus Christ. And of course, as we pray for them, we're praying for ourselves as well. Pray that we would have opportunities to invite people to church. The latest statistics say that only about 20% of adults now regularly attend church. And so the odds are, of all the people you know, only one in five is a regular church attender. And of course, as we're praying for others, uh, we're included in our prayers as well. As we're praying for others to be bolder, more courageous witnesses, we're praying for ourselves. Because the temptation is to not want to talk to other people. Not want to rock the boat. Not want to ruffle any feathers. Not want people to think badly of us. Uh, but our mission is to be light to other people, to let our lights shine bright. And so, it's not enough just to see people saved and added to the church family. Each person then needs to become a bold witness for Jesus Christ. And so, one of the things that God's laid on my heart in the last, especially the last month, is that God wants us to grow in being a praying church because prayer makes all the difference in the world. And so uh, we've begun a new take on a prayer team at Life Church in this just past month to help us 
focus our prayers on what God wants us to do and what, where God wants to take us as a, as a church, uh, both internally and for those that we're seeking to reach. And so uh, we've basically launched a prayer team. It's open to all regular attenders and members in the church. And uh, when you join the prayer team, many of you already have, uh, you send a link to our current prayer guide. Our prayer guide is online. And so uh, it's a link. You can access it from your phone or your computer. Uh, it's going to be updated weekly. And so we encourage you to access it online if you have online access rather than printing out because it's constantly being updated. Uh, I've just begun to add scripture references to a number of the prayer requests. And that's an ongoing process. It's certainly not completed yet. But when you click on those, either on your phone or computer, a Bible verse that relates to that uh, will come up to help inform your prayer. Because as we pray by scripture, our prayers become more powerful because we're praying according to God's word. So we're asking those that join the prayer team simply to make it their goal to pray at least five minutes a day for the ministry of the church. And uh, the prayer guide is, it's certainly you're not going to pray the whole thing in five minutes. Uh, it's, it's, it's probably going to get longer rather than shorter. Uh, but those are things to guide your prayers. And you can pray for some of them one day, pray for some more the next day, and, and things like that. The prayer guide includes praying for believers in the church family and praying for those who are outside the church family as well. Now, you can join the prayer team simply by texting the word pray to that number there. It's also listed in your bulletin as well. And you'll get the link and uh, you'll get... I don't know if you get weekly reminders, uh, but you'll get when things change, you'll get reminders uh, of, of things to pray for uh, as that as that prayer guide changes from time to time. And so God desires us to be people of prayer. He desires us to be a church of prayer. The more that we pray, the more blessing that we'll see in our lives, the more blessing we'll see in our church family. God calls us to pray for unbelievers. They would have a relationship with Jesus Christ and pray for believers in our church family. And so this Christmas season, and in all the busyness, I believe God is calling us to, to increase our devotion to prayer, to increase our commitment to prayer. And that will continue not just in the month of December, but into the new year of 2019. And, and I look forward to what God is going to do in our lives and in our church family as we grow in our prayer life. As a church. Now this morning if you're not sure you're a, a follower of Jesus Christ. Or you'd like to recommit your life to him this morning. I want to give you an opportunity. Uh, to do that you simply admit that you've sinned. You put your faith and trust in Jesus as your savior. And you commit your life to following him. So let's bow our heads right now. If you'd like to commit your life, to recommit your life to Jesus Christ this morning, it's, it's really the most important decision that you could, you could ever make. And you don't have to understand everything to make this decision. You just need to have a desire in your heart to turn away from your sin and to commit your life to Jesus Christ and His Word. So let's pray together and I encourage you to pray along with me. If you've never prayed a prayer like this before, or this morning you want to 
recommit your life. Say something like this. Father, today, I admit that I've sinned. I've done wrong things. I've been following my plan for my life rather than yours. I ask for you to forgive me. I, I believe that Jesus died on the cross, that my sins might be forgiven. And he rose from the dead three days later. I commit my life to following him, to following his way. Thank you for coming into my life. And for those who are, of us who are believers, let's pray as well. Father, we thank you for your word that teaches us the importance of prayer. Forgive us, God, for not fully comprehending what is possible through prayer. And forgive us, God, for simply praying about ourselves all the time rather than thinking about other people. We ask that you help us, God, close out this year, 2018, in the month of December and enter into the new year, 2019, to, by growing and praying for others, by growing in intercession. Give us a caring heart for those in our lives who are unbelievers. Give us a faith, God, that you really could reach out and touch their lives through our prayers. Motivate us, God, to pray for the lost on a, on a daily basis, to truly care about them. And may we not only pray, but may we have opportunities to speak, to be witnesses for you, to have an apt word in, in season, not a word of condemnation, but, but a, a word of, of welcome, a, a word of truth, a word of love. May we also care about and pray for others in our church family, God. May we, may we pray that your purpose would would be fulfilled in each of our lives. May we grow in that purpose as a church family, God. May our prayers become more powerful and more effective. Forgive us for wasting time on things that have no eternal significance. Help us to be gripped with the reality of the power of prayer, God. And as we pray, we pray that we would see the answers to our prayers and that our, our faith would grow to believe you for even bigger things. We thank you what you're, for what you're doing in our lives and in our church, what you've done so far, and we look forward to greater things in the future, not through our own efforts, but through prayer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.